And then training is, is the same idea, right? So I want to be the guy that's still uh, hitting the gym hard at 1900 years old, right? So I don't, I don't believe that it's just, uh, you know, something when you're young and then you start to, to uh, play golf or something like that, right? I, I just love it uh, and I want to be doing that for the very, very long term. That was Mehdi Yacobi speaking of his deep love of resistance training. And today's conversation may seem like it's mostly about fitness, strength, and health, yet it's really about becoming someone who is capable of overcoming whatever obstacles come our way. It's about intentionally developing the capacities we need before we encounter a challenge. Yes, Mehdi's words will likely make you want to hit the gym and toss around some weights, but there's a broader message within today's discussion about how to embrace and even enjoy the activities that help us thrive in the long game of life. Mehdi is the founder of Vital, a social network for health, a new father, and an absolute beast in the gym, closing in on a 500-pound squat, a 350-pound bench, and a 600-pound deadlift. There's so much we can learn from him about health, entrepreneurship, and life. So let's jump in. Mehdi, welcome Super excited to have you here. You're somebody that I deeply enjoy comparing notes with, connecting on all things physical activity, longevity, entrepreneurship, so many themes to talk about. I thought it'd be fun to start with a shared passion of ours, strength training. Let's do this. (laughs) What is it that you love about strength training? Well, well, actually everything, everything about it. I think it's an insanely rewarding uh, activity. You know, it's it's this thing where you, you do have at least, you know, in the, in the beginning, before you actually get hooked, you do have this kind of uh, straightforward, you put in work, you get some progress. I also like the the, the hypertrophy side of it. Uh, you know, I, I'm not one of those strength purists. I had my phases around like really obsessed over strength. Now I kind of really like both of them uh, equally. And yeah, you know, obviously it, it feels good. I like being in the gym. I like training. You know, it's also kind of a great you know, school of life. Like it, it really uh, helps you push harder, uh, find your limits, you know, routine to add your life. You know, it, it pushes you to be, um, you know, healthier. Yeah. How would you, how would you distill it for people? Because I think you mentioned strength training, hypertrophy. How would you describe like what the essence of that is to a friend, to somebody that was interested, but a bit overwhelmed for, for beginners i think you should not try to complicate stuff you know whether strength or hypertrophy training just start with the basics uh you know train a few times per uh per week just find some movements that you enjoy doing um we, we can think later about imbalances and stuff like that so initially i would say try to find some movement that you enjoy doing whether it's going to be the 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 SBD uh, the the classic squat bench deadlift uh, movement or or some others maybe some calisthenic whatever you have access to and you enjoy doing and just try to gradually overload it so you know obviously you have to also make sure your your technique is is good so on that front you can ask people in the gym you can watch uh, videos on YouTube um you can just pick a few movements at first or even take a coach if 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 you can and then gradually try to to get stronger at those uh, but at first, just keep it simple, keep it enjoyable, and just build the the the, the habit muscle. Yeah, I love that. I I mean, I think that the just making it enjoyable, obviously, that's something that I talk a lot about. But it's so important because if you enjoy it, if you find the satisfaction in doing the the training itself, if you feel the way your body is starting to transform, you'll be more motivated to do it. And um, you know, 100%. like you said, consistency consistency is everything. And I think 
your point on making it simple is so key because you know at the beginning you have those sweet newbie gains. Like if you aren't really training, doing almost anything that pushes you outside of your comfort zone to the edge of your capacity, even one set of push-ups just to doing that, like you are strength yeah, training. But that's that what point. that's what I did. That's what I did when I was in uh, you know early on when I started like around 13, 14 years old. I remember I got, you know, I got hooked. Actually, you know, I developed like a passion, uh, you know, around just getting jacked, to be honest with you. There's nothing wrong with that. Uh, yeah, of course. I love it. I still love it to this day. And I think I'll love it forever. Just I, I remember watching this Fast and Furious one, maybe the second one or third one. And I just remember this, you know, Vin Diesel was jacked, uh, you know, uh, back in the days, he was really, really strong. And I just felt that's, this is amazing. I was around like, 12, 13. And that's the moment where I said, I absolutely need to be training. And from that day, I started doing a lot of push-ups. And actually, uh, for for my, let's say, the first four years, I was just doing push-ups. A lot, a lot of them, like literally before sleep, uh, I I would do, you know, you know, 150, 200, depending on where you are, it might be a lot or not a lot, but just that and eating as much as I could uh, built a very solid base. Um, So just that. Well, the beautiful thing is you're talking about doing 150, but if people are only able to do 10, yeah, what took 10. you, what start takes you 10. 100 reps. So if you're doing 100 reps before you start to tire, you have to work pretty hard to get to that beautiful point where you're starting to make exactly. progress and, and do that. If you can only do 10 reps, awesome. That means within yeah, exactly. 10 reps, you're on the edge of your capacity, you're gaining strength, and it's a beautiful thing. So yeah, I think what you're describing brings up a super interesting point, which is I hear a lot of people almost shy away from, you know, goals that they might label as surface goals, like, oh, you know, getting, adding muscle, getting, you know, jacked or losing weight. Like there's a sense of almost guilt or self-judgment about that. And one, I don't think you need to feel any judgment about that at all, but also just start with whatever you have. If that's what's feeling motivating, don't judge it, just embrace it. It's going to evolve anyway. Goals change. Once you go deep into it, you'll discover all of these deeper components. So I'm curious you mentioned that's what got you in the Vin Diesel body. What's your motivation today? Like, what is what is driving you in your training? I love this question um, because I think actually it's, it's a very big topic in the strength slash hypertrophy uh, world. You do have uh, a good amount of people that look at a more surface goal, like looking good, and they kind of make fun of it. And I and I fully disagree with that. Um, the vast majority of people. Uh, like a certain aspect of uh, aesthetics and performance. Like for me now, my goals are really uh, those two. Like I, I like the aesthetic pursuit of it and I like the performance aspect of it. I like to see the progress uh, week after week. Of course, things can be pushed to the extreme. Uh, I am not a fan of professional bodybuilding, to be honest with you. Um, I think for a lot of people, it, it it brings stuff that are a little bit unhealthy. I think dieting to such level of body fat... I don't care so much uh, about leanness anymore. So I'm more into like a, a bit of a higher uh, body fat percentage. I try to keep it healthy, obviously, but, you know, this is just my way. And, and this is just yeah. to say that you just have to find your own, uh, you know, things that matter for you, things that don't matter for you. For example, for me, having a six pack doesn't matter. I don't care about it. Uh, people might love it and it's, it's totally fine. Uh, and, and again, just people care about different stuff and that's totally fine. We're all in, in this lifting uh community. Beautifully said, man. I I think that 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 idea that it's really about finding for ourselves, right? You know, what does strength training look like in your life? Not my life, not Medi's life. What 
what is your relationship with food, not my relationship, Medi's relationship. I think that is, that's so important. And I wanted to touch on this later, but I think this is probably a, a good time. Like I, I've seen you talk a little bit more online about fake naturals and the prevalence yeah. of PEDs in the training communities, particularly bodybuilding, you know, Instagram influencers. And I think this is a huge issue because, you know, in, in today's world, people look to those, those types of individuals and if people are misrepresenting whether they're actually using things like steroids or HGH, they're setting people up for you know misaligned expectations and just a lot of frustration. So I'm curious for your thoughts on that topic. Oh man, this topic. Uh, let's let's dive into it. So first of all, I want to preface thing by saying there's nothing wrong with doing what you do. Yeah, if people want to enhance themselves, if people want to take stuff, um, I'm of the you know, the idea that they, they should be able to, to do it, like as, as long as they, they aren't harming other people and, and, and things like that, you should be able to, to take what you want to take. Uh, my problem is obviously lying about it. So I think that's kind of the problem. The, the, the biggest problem is just a leading, you know, especially young people, making them think that some things are naturally achievable uh, when, when they're not is definitely not a good thing. Um, because, you know, you can get people completely uh, desperate like that. But again, the other thing that I see on the other side of, of the, the, the stuff is those uh, Nazi supremacies. So like the, the, the noble Nazis, they call them, um, where they call everyone fake Nazis. Like you can look extremely jacked naturally, like literally, like I, I really think the limit is way higher than people think. But it's a question of you might, you know, you will need 10, 15, 20 years of very hard training week in, week out to get there. And the other aspect is there are amounts of um, body mass, like muscle mass and leanness that are very hard to combine together. Like if you're very big, it's going to be very hard to be very lean. Um, so I think it's in, in, in those ratios of, of leanness versus muscle mass and duration to achieve results that a lot of these uh, fake naturals are. Uh, leading people into uh, thinking stuff that are actually uh, not not possible. I think it's a it's a super important topic, and I think we we're touching on the the physique, the physical, the self image side of it. I also think there's a real component on the recovery side, and just you know injury and things like that. So I have been following stories recently on CrossFit talking about how elite CrossFitters, from their capacity to recover to what they're doing. It, there's a serious question on whether they're able to do that naturally. And I think when you look yeah. at individuals like Absolutely. you or I who participate in CrossFit, the trend I see is people thriving for a year, maybe a year and a half, maybe two years at that level of intensity. And then often they burn out. They burn out physically, they burn out mentally. And I think part of it is just that the amount of recovery that's needed to something like that is really difficult to do in a stressful life. <laughs> 100%. Zach Tillander, a great YouTube channel, by the way, had a video about that um, two, three weeks ago. The hardest part is recovery, right? So for them, they might use enhanced, like performance-enhancing drugs that are really uh, aimed at helping them recover more. Yeah, I think CrossFit, professional CrossFit is definitely not the, the healthiest pursuit. Um, nothing in CrossFit per se. Uh, I just think that once again, when, when, when there's a lot of money, when there, when there are videos, photos, things tend to go towards uh, the enhancing uh, route. What, no matter the professional sport, I think uh, pretty much all uh, sports are um, in varying degrees, um, you know, uh, impacted by, by that problem. Yeah, I think when the, when the stakes are that high and, you know, you bring in some of the most competitive people in the world and you yeah. have 
them, you know, competing in very objective manners. People will do, do lots of things. This leads to a, a topic that I, I've been really excited to, to discuss with you, which is I think more and more in our society, there's people who are pushing towards health obsession and optimization obsession where it's not enough to go to the gym. It's not enough to, you know, have a really good exercise program and eat clean. It's about like optimizing every single last variable. What do you think about that trend? Well, actually, I have a lot of thoughts because, you know, this is both something personal and something professional uh, that, that I've kind of been involved uh, in, in, in this whole uh, uh, topic. So personally, I tried a lot of things when it comes to optimizing health, wellness, and so on and so forth. And I just found that the simple fact of being very you know, I, I want to say obsessed, but maybe there's a better word. Uh, just like being very into being healthy, like doing a lot of stuff for your health, being self-centered in that regard, um, you know, having a lot of mental bandwidth that's oriented uh, for the sole purpose of you feeling good. I think that there is a point, there is a point of diminishing return that's quite, you, you reach it quite quickly. For example, I tried a lot of different diets and I find that when the diet is, you know, quote unquote, a little bit more extreme, so you have to restrain a lot of things, you, you start to have a mental burden that's that's growing just from the obsession aspect. Like I cannot go to a restaurant, have to count the macros, I'm not eating meat anymore, whatever whatever the thing is. I'm not, you know, like now people are against seedals and I, I'm, I don't think seedals are, are great, but I think... No matter, just you name oh, let's, it. Let's, let's let's talk about seed oils for a second. Oh man, let's do it. It's it's so. Here's my here's my hot seed oil take. We all know the placebo effect. If you yeah. think something is healthy for you, there's benefits to that mindset. I think that the dynamic with seed oils. I don't eat a lot of them just naturally through the diet of eating, you know, local food, local vegetables, etc. But I think if you walk around constantly afraid of seed oils, if you are obsessing about removing every last seed oil from your diet, it's like the opposite of the placebo effect. You're constantly exactly. telling your body that like, hey, I'm in a state of introducing a poison and the anxiety and just like obsessive component of that, it can't be healthy. And I think that like, you know, eating seed oils once is not going to be as bad as obsessing about seed oils 24-7. So again, don't drink them. But I, I really think that the trend of, of being deeply, deeply afraid of them is, is actually more damaging. I'm 100% aligned with you here. And, and maybe I can give you a little bit of background as to why it, this is a topic so important for me. We, we can take a, a slight tangent here, uh, the back pain tangent that, that I also always yeah. want to talk about. So I had crippling chronic back pain for um, three years. I thought I would uh, have it for my whole life. Like literally, I couldn't, couldn't deadlift, couldn't squat, couldn't run. Uh, it was horrible, absolutely horrible. Um, I tried everything, and um, the one thing that basically fixed it is this book called "Healing Back Pain" by uh, Dr. John Sarno, and it's about the mind-body connection. So mm. you know what it is about. It's about just understanding that basically the pain is in your mind, and again. Like a preface here again, just make sure, you know, with your doctors that you don't have no like a uh, very, very big problem happening there. Many, but a lot of people. Benny and I are just two dudes on the internet. We're yeah, not, yeah. We're not doctors. So. <laughs> Disclaimer. Uh, but a lot of people, you know, 
they have the, their doctors and we don't want to understand why I have this back pain, you know? So it's like, you, you should not have it, but you do have it. And for me, it was exactly that. And as soon as I understood about the mind-body connection and mind-body syndrome, it went away. So I kind of really understand how obsession and just wrong mindset and, and putting a lot of mind uh, energy into something can have like very, very uh, visible physical uh, outcomes. So this is why I, I think right now more about trying to find a little bit more harmony uh, between between things. Um, I definitely try to eat healthy, right? I'm not saying, you know, yeah. just eat nonsense. Uh, but what I'm looking for is more like intuitive eating, just, you know, obviously mm. focus on, uh, on, on, on healthier options, veggies, meat, uh, eggs. And I just think that right now a lot of people are uh, calling uh, health optimization what actually is just... Uh, uh, their need for obsessing over something. And they just obsess over that, take 50 supplements, uh, have crazy, crazy protocols for their health. I just strongly feel that there is uh, something that is not measured that is under-optimized. Uh, just from the single aspect of, uh, you know, just this this total obs- obsession over, over health. Uh, but that's just me. Yeah, to each their own. And I think that, you know, my view is that if you get the 80% of the foundation's done, it's actually more important that you believe that you're living a healthy life than like that you're optimizing every last one. Because I think Maybe. I've seen so many people start obsessing over their sleep, start obsessing over, I can't have coffee for the first 90 minutes. I have to go in an ice bath. And the list of things that they're doing, it just becomes this like laundry list that they have to check off to, to make themselves feel like they're being healthy. And I think that the, that the, the, be- the biggest benefit comes when you get the basics right and that you live a vibrant life and you start to incorporate relationships and meaningful work and all these other things that sometimes I think people try to obsess about their health because they haven't found that other stuff. And so this leads into an area that I find really interesting about your work. So, you know, we haven't talked about it, but you run, you know, Vital, which is a social network platform for people to explore their health, but to do so in a social manner. And so I'm curious what your perspective is on how you see the social side fitting into health, fitting into fitness, fitting into all of this. Yeah, absolutely. I think the social side has to be at the, at the center of it. Actually, this is exactly why we're building Vital the way, the way it is. Um, we were super into optimizing health before, uh, like data, like, uh, you know, like focusing on the metrics. And I, and I do think for some people, it might be great. But I think for, for, for most people, it's, it's just too much. It's, it's, um, we might get, you know, in a few years, products that are managing to optimize with very uh, soft touches, like without like presenting you with data, like just doing stuff in the background. I, I believe we're going we're gonna to get to that point uh, in the future. But I think a lot of, a lot of times uh, what's missed is really the community part of things. Um, most people know what they should be doing, more or less. There is still some learning to be done, but a lot of people kind of know. But what's missing is actually doing it. And, 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 and to really do that well, there's nothing better than uh, having a strong community around you. So yeah, obviously, we're trying to build a social network, but uh, a healthier uh, alternative. Um, the long-term vision is to uh, optimize for your health and wellness uh, on the product. Uh, as we are connected with all of your wearables, uh, this is something that we'll be able to do uh, in the future. Yeah, it's it's interesting how you're incorporating, you know, the data-driven side, and you know, I think you're doing it in a really interesting way. Like I saw that you had 
a very similar like end of year rap. So just like Spotify does rap for music, you did that for, you know, people's exercise milestones. I thought that was so cool because, you know, I think so often we're just looking forward and we're not recognizing, you know, all the progress we're making or celebrating all the milestones along the journey. And, you know, I think I've played around a bit with your app and you share something and then there's others that jump in and they're very supportive and yet it doesn't feel performative like, it, you know, an Instagram might or, you know, Twitter where people are trying to like highlight, you know, this best version of themselves. It's sort of because it's more ongoing and more passive, it feels very authentic and genuine. Well, thanks a lot for, uh, for this kind of feedback. And that's exactly what we're trying to do. Um, you know, just share whatever you have. It doesn't matter about like raw performance. We don't want to turn it like to be something about just showing how, how great you are, stuff like that. I think that there are already uh, enough platforms to do that. We just want to celebrate daily improvement uh, with like-minded people, people that are, you know, uh, having different struggles, different pursuits, um, and just having this, this great vibe in the product. Um, so yeah, that's, uh, yeah. vital. It's, it, it's interesting. You talk about vibe because I've been thinking a lot lately about place and environment and, and the location and, and where we're exercising. I think so many people have started exercising at home. I have a, a home gym. I know lots of, of others have similar and it's amazing. I can just, you know, jump off this podcast and immediately go work out, but I'm alone and I don't have that camaraderie. And, you know, often the environment of a, a home setup isn't as nice. And so I know you're someone that's lived in multiple countries, speaks multiple languages. You know, I, I, I imagine you've kind of experienced the power of environment, not just in the gym, but more broadly. And so I'm curious, like, how do you think about, like, what do you think about in terms of environment and training, environment and life? Yeah. Well, it's funny you ask me that because I was thinking about that uh, today and over the last few days because uh, I'm, I have multiple gyms. Uh, I have multiple gym memberships, you know, around my neighborhood, uh, all of them have some, some benefits <laughs> and some drawbacks. And actually, I just went back to my first gym um, last week. And, you know, it's way better because of the environment. You have, you have a lot of strong people. Uh, they're early in the morning, 6 a.m., it's full. You have a lot of people. So, you know, whenever you go and you want to train, you're not like alone, uh, you know, cold <laughs> in the morning, you feel that there are a lot of people going after it, you know? So what's your excuse? The gym is full. You wake up, you know that in, in 20, 30 minutes, the gym is going to be full. So I really do like that. Obviously, sometimes you go at different times of the day, it's full, but too much, you know? So yeah, on, sure. on that on that moment, you're like, oh man, I wish I had a home gym. But thankfully, I managed to play between different environments to to, to find what, what works better. Um, so that's a big one when it comes to training. Yeah. Um, it's it, just it, quickly on quickly on that cuz I think the the parallel if somebody like me wants to work out at home is to be intentional about your environment, to think about creating like a little mini oasis for your health and to create a space that you want to go to that when you arrive it starts to I think one of the challenges with working out at home is if you're doing it and you're walking by your laundry and your dishes in your sink and your work is right around the corner it's all of the rest of life is pulling at you and you don't have that space. And so creating a transition, creating a way of shifting into the workout that often happens when you walk to the gym or when you drive to the gym, exactly. so thinking intentionally about how you do that. And actually I struggle uh, on that front. I struggle to work from home. So, you know, since we have, uh, our, our, our daughter that was born a few weeks ago, now I'm working from home for the foreseeable future. Um, and yeah, you know, lines are getting blurred, right? So, you know, are we working? Are we, you know, cooking, you know, this stuff like that. So it's quite, quite hard to, to do this, this transition. You know, there are obviously things that you can do to, uh, 
to improve the whole thing. Um, but yeah, it's it's a big uh, it's it's a big topic. And yeah, uh, uh, yeah. On that note, we talked a lot about the physical benefits of of you know intense training, and we're we're focused a lot on strength. I know you know both of us participate in other types of training, but how would you describe? Because I think that the physical benefits are just scratching the surface of what you know in training intentionally does. So how would you describe how it it kind of fits in or ripples across the rest of your life? Well, first of all, it's discipline. Um, and I would say overall, it's a mindset. So obviously, I'm a big fan of David Goggins. Uh, you know, I, and, and I just like having um, those non-negotiables in, in the day. So no matter what, you know, of course, there are some some um, some days that are extreme, but but usually, no matter what I train, um, you know, a lot of people think a lot about recovery and stuff like that. I don't think too much about it. I just listen to my body. I'm big on auto regulation, um, and for me, the the benefits on the mindset are are just immense. Because you know, again, this is a very good point that you brought. You have training for the body, but Above all, you have training for the mind, uh, and and for example, like y- you might be training, but actually, yes, you know, y- you might potentially overtrain, but maybe you're getting benefits for the mind. Maybe you're literally, you know, helping the mind understand, you know, how to overcome. Like uh, when you're tired, when you don't want to do it, and you can still do it. Obviously, it's a fine line that you have to learn uh, to to navigate. We're not talking about you know just getting like injuries or like hurting yourself and not being able to train for months. Um, I've been there in the past, but now I kind of yeah. learned to toe that line between yeah. uh, overtraining and and and, <laughs> and the, the right training. Yeah, this is actually a listener question that is is that was brought up, and and I think it it comes from this place of I talk a lot about embodied exercise. So you mentioned listening to your body, and you know I think that that's so valuable to understand the type of exercise we want during exercise to really connect with the experience and to feel it in our body, and even afterwards, like you're saying around recovery. And the, the, the listener was asking about comparing that to what, what he described as getting after it relentlessly, which I think is something that you know jumps off of your writing related to it. And I obviously don't think that those two are mutually exclusive, but I'm curious how you think about yeah. balancing embodiment during exercise and this idea of getting after it relentlessly. Yeah. Yeah. So the thing, the, the best way to understand how I think about that, a lot of times before, before doing it, you don't feel like it. Right. So, you know, wake up, you're tired, you want to stay asleep or whatever. It's the mid midday, you have a lot of different stuff and it's so easy to enter in excuse mode. So as a default, I always consider that I have enough energy to, to have a, a very like, uh, like intense training. So I go with that mindset, but there, you know, it does, some days are just not for it. Like, and I just feel it. Um, but the tricky part is, we're very good at fooling ourselves, right? So this is why it helps me to have this default of not listening first. First, I don't listen. Okay, I'm tired, whatever. I just go, you know, I take a good coffee. I take some food or whatever. If it's the morning, I get trained fasted. And then I go, I warm up, you know. Once you start to be a little bit warm, then you can assess. Okay, so most days it's going to be, okay, I feel great. Um, didn't sleep enough or I was a little bit tired, but I feel great. So I can actually train hard right now. Some days, it doesn't happen. You're like, today's not the day. Maybe I'm going to have a little walk on the treadmill. Maybe I'm going to just train arms or some part that that is going to be just very light, 
maybe some you know lateral raises, some, something very soft, and that's it. Um, Thirty minutes, forty minutes, I just go. Um, I feel that the whole embodied side has to come after warm up, <laughs> has to come after uh, you know um, being truly connected with with your body and not having this uh, just. Uh, laziness of the first few minutes that never feel good, uh, whether it's a run, whether it's training, like the first few minutes never feel good. What you're describing around creating an environment to really connect with your body and, and see how you're feeling, I think is so critical. And Stephen Pressfield was talking about this in, in respect to writing, right? It's, it, he, he describes for a lot of people, it's not writing that's that's hard. It's sitting down and beginning to write. Resistance. The resistance. There's resistance there. But it's also just that there's transitions. Like, you know, I'm, I'm fascinated by the nervous system. And I think if you're sitting at a computer working, your, your nervous system isn't in a place where it's immediately ready to jump into exercise. There's a transition that's required. And I exactly. think what you're describing about warming up, you know, I love using breath work for this. So getting to the gym, just saying, I'm just going to get there. And then I'm going to do a few sets of breath work that I know are intentionally designed to invigorate my body. And noticing how all of a sudden there's an aliveness that starts and then you start moving. And then all of a sudden it's like you're in a totally different state than you were when you were considering working out. And so I think, um, yeah, it's, it, to me, there's this dialogue, right? It's not just listening to the body and saying, hey, oh, I'm tired. I'm not going to do anything. But getting curious and, and having techniques that you can use to shape your environment and then experience how your body's evolving through that. I love that. And, and, I, and I'm being on that as well. Like, um Decide once you're warmed up. You want to go home. It's not the day. Then you can do it from there. You cannot just say, you know, it's not today. I mean, obviously, if you're sick or, or there they are extreme cases, and um, I'm aware of those cases. But usually, um, it's just uh, you know your subconscious that's trying to to find excuses, right? So those transitions are extremely important. Whether it's a little walk, whether it's some breath work, whether it's putting the right music, just putting your your your, your exercising clothes. Or if it's work, just putting yourself in the zone, just listening to some, uh, you know, focus music or, 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 or something like that. And then assess. Uh, for me, it's ex- immensely helpful. Maybe a frame for this is really just these are different skills. Listening to our body, embodiment is a skill that has benefits, yeah. that things we can do. Having discipline, developing uh, an ability to connect with what's most important to us, our values, and yeah. following through on that, that's a skill. And so these are things, it's not one or the other is better. It's that these are just skills we need to cultivate. Exactly. And, it, you know, that, that brings us back to the whole question of over-optimization. Some people might tell you, oh, if you do that, it's going to be too much. But it, maybe it's too much if your prism is just the physicality of it. But maybe what you're training is like more um, more aspects of, of, of your person. Maybe you're training also this consistency. Maybe you're training this working on transitions, and then knowing that, you know, your uh, parameters and, and what, how many times you're going to train per week and stuff like that might differ a lot. Uh, and actually, that yeah. this is really something that I took from, from David Goggins, right, where he explains, you know, yes, you know, you can train uh, in, in an optimal way, stuff like that, but life is not optimal. And mm. I tend to, to approach things this way. I'm not looking for optimal training. I'm looking to make the body and the mind strong to overcome whatever challenge is going to come. I think most people are under training rather than over training. Maybe it's just uh, in Europe. <laughs> I don't know how it is yeah. in the US, but from my, my experience, it's, it's more uh, under training. There's a complex dichotomy here because I think most people think they need to do more than they actually need to do to see That's progress. That's also true. 
right? So it's like people people think they need to do more than they need to do to start making progress, and then they get started, and they don't realize how much more they could do to do it. So it's sort of like exactly. I want people to know how much they could get from just getting started and not even needing to go to that extreme. And at the same time, once you get started, the amount that you can kind of continue to progress is really, you know, unbelievable. Very, very, very perfectly said. Um, you can get a lot with a little bit, but you can also do a lot and manage to do a lot. It's it's this this uh, you know a little bit contradictory stance. Exactly, two side of of the of the of the, of the of this idea. Yeah, it's. I, I think what you're describing around optimization. I see it. It's just a way of making people, you know, rigid and, and in some ways fragile. And I think the way you're describing strength training and training more broadly, like to me, it fits in this theme of renewal. Like we're cre- creating the capacity physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually to adapt and evolve to whatever comes. When you when you start seeing the physical exactly. progress, being stronger, lifting ten more pounds, adding muscle, we can see how we're capable of adapting. We're capable of changing. And then that starts to spread across the rest of our lives. So I'm curious, are there any other areas where you've noticed that you have kind of grown and evolved outside of like what people would traditionally think from exercise? Have you found any specific ways or examples that it's like bled into the rest of your life? Well, absolutely. I mean, in terms of um, two sides, on personal side and in work, uh, on, on the work side, the whole idea of training for uh, something that's not going to be optimal is, you know, the most important idea of building a startup. Every day there is a problem, whether it's product, whether it's company, whether it's hiring problem, whether it's management, you name it. I find that when I put the body through some hard training, normal life stuff tends to, to, to seem easy. Like um, whatever it is, it, it seems way easier. And on the whole aspect of um, leaving rigidity behind and not focusing on over-optimization, it really helped me now that I have a daughter, right? So uh, you just have to manage your time, manage everything. It's not exactly the way the way you're going to want, you know? You cannot do stuff at a specific time, old, or, you know, every day. You, you cannot have exactly this protocol or routine, you know? You cannot watch the sun every morning. Like, you just you go with the flow. Right, and you just uh, still have to perform in that environment. I love it. I was gonna ask you, you know, how you balance everything because you you have a intense you know training program. You are building an ambitious startup. You just had a daughter. Congratulations! Thank you. And thank I you. think I think you highlighted that right. You know that the, the flexibility needed, and I think um, I think that that ties so much into the the theme of this conversation. I'd love to kind of close with this, this idea that you write about. So you have a newsletter called The Long Game, and it's wonderful, right? It's not about one topic. It spans health, fitness, building companies. It's, just, it's one of my favorites. But what does The Long Game mean to you? Well, what a question. For me, The Long Game, first of all, is about long-term thinking. For me, family has to be first, and I, and I, like nothing would matter if I don't build a big and healthy family. And work is the, is the same idea, right? So working on something that's meaningful to us, and it's not just to make a quick buck or or sell the company or something. We just love it, you know. We just want to be doing that. We just want to help people be healthier, find community around their interest. That's what we want to do. And then training is is the same idea, right? So I want to be the guy 
you know, that's still uh, hitting the gym hard at 900 years old, right? So I don't, I don't believe that it's just, uh, you know, something when you're young and then you start to, to uh, play golf or something like that, right? I, I just love it uh, and I want to be doing that for the very, very long term. Whenever there is a question, whenever uh, there is a decision to make, asking myself what the, the midi of, of 20, 30, 40 years um, would have liked the decision to be here. I love it. Yeah, I, th- I think I often think about how you know, fitness is the classic example of, you know, an infinite game, right? Whatever we do tomorrow doesn't matter if we stop in a week. And so going back to our conversation around making it enjoyable, that's why I'm so passionate about making exercise more enjoyable for more people. Because once it becomes satisfying, once people discover the love that you clearly have for it, everything becomes easier. And it just, they, they find a way to evolve and to adapt it to whatever comes. It's paradise. Once you start loving it, it's it's exceptional. <laughs> it's one of it's one of those things that's so frustrating because I see like you know a, a group of people, you, me, others that just love exercise at this point, and then there's a group yeah. that absolutely hate it, and I cannot think of anything else yeah. where there's such a strong split. But no, I think the long game is is so important, and you know I think when it comes to optimization, I I wonder if a lot of people are doing that because they're afraid to die, right? They're trying to they're trying to control their health, they're trying to do that out of this fear of death that you know is is coming for all of us. And so, you know, I think the, the idea of, you know, trying to thrive over the long run, it, it, it's different than trying to prevent yourself from dying or, or do that kind of thing. And yeah, absolutely. Like I, 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 I couldn't agree more on living is one thing and then, um, you know, optimizing for, for the long term is another thing and, and trying to merge the two together is not easy, right? So mm-hmm. uh, like learning to love things that are good for you is is really the best your best bet like learn to love the right people learn to love the right activities not to say that, that there are wrong activities but obviously you know like uh, healthy people and 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 activities like exercising are obviously going to be positive uh for, for your um uh, you know long-term health and then when it comes to more like longevity i'm still super into it um but i just for some reason i dislike this whole gimmicky biohacking like i i I, I still hope that we're going to radically extend human health span uh i'm still a big believer in that and i still hope it happens i just don't think that the route is going to be those gimmicky 50 pill uh uh, biohacking Uh, i might be wrong and i'm still open to uh, to changing my mind on on that um but right now i'm focusing on the basics just like you do uh right people exercise and maybe in 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 five ten years i'm going to reassess and see where where things are at yeah, it's 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 so fascinating. I think it's sort of like saving for retirement where or building a company. There's so much benefit to thinking long term. There's so much benefit to zooming out the time horizon. And at the same time, how do you bring that that benefit, the value, the vitality into the present moment? Like if you're living for two decades from now and you're missing the way that exercise is benefiting you this afternoon as you're doing your work or this evening yeah. as you're hanging out with your kid you've lost the way that like all of this benefit and this joy can come into the present moment. And so again, there's that tension, there's that, there's that dichotomy and it, it, it's fascinating to play with. Fascinating. So any, any final, final words of wisdom, any, any final ideas for how people can start to harness this, this magical power of exercise in their own lives? Just start small. I would say the the thing that I say to people around me, um, start extremely small and gather momentum. The The enemy here is uh, too big of an ambition 
um, early on. Not to say you shouldn't be ambitious, but it tends to bring uh, backlash quite quickly. Just start small. Uh, just w- walk. Just start with maybe walk. If, if you're really not into exercising right now, I would say start very small um, and, and build the things up from there. Um, and again, if you really hate it, continuously ask yourself, why do I hate it? It's not necessarily going to always get better if you hate it from, from day one. So, so meditate on why is it hateable? Is there a way to make it more enjoyable? Um, and yeah, I mean, you, if, if you're not exercising and you want to start to become someone who exercises, your identity has to change. Um, and it's not going to change durably if you continuously dislike it. Um, so that's what I would say. I, I couldn't agree more. I, the exciting news is I'm actually cooking up a, a little mini online experience course specifically geared towards um, the enjoyment side. Because I think that it's a different skill, right? There's making exercise effective and that's helpful and that results in progress, but finding the way to enjoy it can be done intentionally. And so I appreciate your lead in so I could plug the upcoming, the upcoming thing. If anybody is interested, (laughs) I'll, I'll link to some stuff in the, in the show notes, but uh, this has been an absolute blast. I, I couldn't admire your approach, your approach more. I'm so excited about what you're building with your family, with your company, the things you share online. So I'll, I'll link to, to some of those. But thank you so much for coming and sharing your perspective with us. Thank you, Sam. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for listening. There's little I enjoy more than a conversation with someone with not only a deep passion for an activity, but a way they bring it fully into their own life. Mehdi's approach to training is a perfect example of our theme of self-renewal. He's using the gym to not only train his body, but also his mind and spirit to be capable of adapting to the inevitable changes of life. If this inspires you to reevaluate your own relationship to exercise, please subscribe to my Intuitive Fitness newsletter, where I explore ways you can make exercise your own. As always, I love hearing from listeners and appreciate if you subscribe, review, and share the show.